Let's talk baseball. Jason Benetti is one of the best in the business. I'm not saying that because he's one of the best guys to know, but he's a great announcer, and we hope to hear him very, very soon doing White Sox games on TV. And Jason joins us now. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? What the heck is going on with baseball? Are we going to hear you calling some games this year? You'd hope so, right? I mean, I the there are two there are two issues. So, number one is are the owners and players going to come to a consensus on the number of games and the health and safety protocols? And number two, um, can we play baseball if there are going to be massive spikes in certain states? I mean, what does that end up looking like? Are certain states going to have to close down again and? say that we can't have that many people to play a game in a ballpark. I don't think that's likely, even if the science suggests that that should happen. Right. Um, So the players are in this scenario where they've got to make a decision on the proposal that was offered by the owners and the league, uh, and they've got to take a vote. It seems like, based on what I'm reading, they are going to take that vote today. But there's also a chance that the, the two sides come to an agreement and can't play because of COVID-19, because we are still in a pandemic as well. So the players say 70 games, the owners t- say 60. You figured they'd settle at 65, and they can't even figure that out. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to be frustrated about in yeah. the whole deal with baseball. Uh The owners say that they're losing money hand over fist, even if we play with uh, no, no crowds, and the players are saying, "Well, I, here's here's the sympathetic part of the player side because it's true the owners are going to lose a ton of money this year. The sympathetic part on the player side is the average major league shelf life, the average major league career is somewhere between three and four years. Most of these guys don't have twelve, fifteen year careers. They don't have Frank Thomas like careers, mm-hmm. and so the players are trying to make sure to protect themselves." over the course of what what amounts to a very short, typical career to earn. And, uh, you know, the, the disappointing thing is, is when both sides get entrenched, you end up with a scenario where the fans are the ones who end up looking like, what are, what are we doing here? <laughs> You're right. Um, you do a lot of college sports. Have you ever done a game without fans or less than 500 fans? Because no fans this year in baseball if they end up playing. How How strange is that? Mm, it's very strange. Um, I have done minor league baseball games like on a during the minors in Abel on a Monday and it's raining. Oh yeah, and that you, you still play. You're going to do a game with less than 500 people. Like I have, I have, I can tell you, I have done games with less than 500 people in the ballpark. <laughs> it's a little eerie. You hear your voice sort of echoing off of the seats. But again, the the point is. Like if if that's what needs to happen in a pandemic to have the sports we love, I, I would encourage people to watch them because we're still going to have a good time. That's the whole point of this is to make sure that you enjoy the game no matter how many people are in the ballpark and you give a great experience to the audience wherever they are. So, yeah, it's it's totally eerie. I've done it before. I've looked around at, at the like, a, say, an hour before game time. And, and thought it was three hours before game time in, in some minor league cities because I'm like, the gates cannot be open. And they are. And so, I, you know, I've done it before. It's, it's odd, but it's also extremely doable. And another thing that's going to be odd this year, your away games. You're going to be watching a monitor. You're not going to be traveling with the team, right? You're going to be either at the stadium or in a studio somewhere doing play-by-play watching a monitor. 
Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, there have been no final uh, decisions on that and the strategy for what we do for road games. I think it all depends on COVID-19 and the spread and all that stuff. But I've done that, too. I mean, there have been games that I've done for other networks where we've been in a studio watching a game that's seven, eight states away. It's not ideal, certainly. Mm-hmm. But as a play-by-play announcer, our job is to convey the the action no matter where we are no matter what it looks like all that so uh, i'm sort of a problem solver slash fixer right in that chair and so you you do your best with what you can i mean obviously i wouldn't like that long term everybody wants to be at the game especially especially if there's a crowd the one thing i will say is if we were doing games off a monitor for road games and there were no crowd in the ballpark it wouldn't be that substantially different because you wouldn't. One of the things about doing a game in a studio is you lose the atmosphere. Right. Well, there is no atmosphere to lose in that case. So it's not as much of a drop off, I think, as people might might imagine if there are no fans in the stand. And if you're watching the monitor, they're focusing on the pitcher and the hitter. You like to look around. I, I'm assuming as an announcer for baseball, you're looking around the entire field or looking at the on deck circle or the manager or different things throughout the game. Yeah, what we've done in the past in that sort of scenario is we've had a camera. I've I've had like a monitor wall where there's a camera that's locked off above home plate that we can see every fielder at all times. So that helps in that matter. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, There there are some moments where when a ball is in play, one of the decisions that we make in a regular game situation is, am I looking at the monitor? Am I looking at the field? When you have a monitor wall, a ball gets put in play. Right. You kind of have to scan to see which monitor to look at at that moment. So, yeah, there are some different decisions. It's a different sort of triage deal. But, again, it's it's doable. It's just a matter of making sure that we can, number one, have games because there's been an agreement, and, number two, have games because it's safe because of COVID-19. Right. I got it. We're talking with White Sox announcer Jason Benetti. When you're side-by-side daily in a room the size of a bathroom, uh, you become very close with the person, you and the Stone Pony, (laughs) Steve Stone, right next to each other for every game. Have you talked to him in the offseason? I'm sure you have. And what 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 does he say about this? Yeah, uh, we've talked some. I mean, we've just been following this together and then watching exactly what's going on with the owners and players. I mean, we've we've always been of the opinion in, in talking to him that there's, uh, and I agree with him that there that there will be baseball. That's that's been our feeling the whole way. Um, but it's a matter of the agreement with the players and owners. And again, we're left in a scenario where we're guessing, right? I mean, in some ways, we're still guessing about where the virus is and exactly what's happening with it. And so there's risk that you have to adopt on both sides. And when you don't know what the risk is, number one, financially, right, because yep. the players and owners disagree about revenue. And then number two, the, the risk of COVID-19, when in, a, in a sport that's become so precise analytically where all 30 teams have such specific information they're making decisions based on, it's completely foreign for these teams now to be making decisions based on uh, not having a spreadsheet. And that's the case, number one, in revenue, and number two, in where the virus is and what the risk of, of it spreading is. So many what-ifs right now. And, Jason, what are, you most yeah. ex- what are you most excited for this season? Which players? We had Lucas Giolito on uh, about a month and a half ago, and here's a guy that's throwing pitches in his garage. He's doing everything to just kind of work out right now. Uh, what players are, uh, are you looking to... Uh, you're looking for something this season. 
Yeah, Lucas is one of those guys. I mean, building on that year last year when he was a first-time All-Star, Luis Robert, uh, who got a contract, obviously, in the offseason, going to play center field, young, super talented. I want to see how he roams the outfield. And then Eloy Jimenez, even in somewhat of an injury-plagued rookie year, he hit 31 homers. Mm -hmm. And to see what he can do in, in an encore second season, uh, was something that excited me. Yoan Moncada is there as well. I mean, the, here's a guy who put up the best numbers of his career last year. Uh, Tim Anderson, same deal. There's, there's a lot of reason to believe, especially the offense was going to be pretty uh, high octane. Right. And I was, I was very excited to see that along with Giolito and a couple of the other pitchers. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't blame Sox fans for being like, why can we not have nice things? right now uh, <laughs> because there's a there's a lot to be excited about with the yep. socks and we just we can't get on the field uh were you surprised that you were embraced so well by Sox fans after hawk harrelson who was beloved in this city um you took over and people love you i mean you didn't miss a beat i would be pretty self-loathing if i was like yeah i'm surprised i'm awful <laughs> no um i <laughs> there, there are a lot of factors with that. Number one, Hawk was super gracious. Number two, Stoney was super gracious. Yeah. Number three, I had done a ton of minor league games before. I mean, I spent nine years in the minors before getting the job with the Sox, 10 years in the minors. So I had done a lot of games, and I, I, I started to understand really what makes me me and what can make a broadcast go. And the other component is, I, you know, i being from here and knowing the Sox growing up, uh, there's a different sort of bond, I think, with me and the team. And you, even if I wanted to ever cut that out of my heart, I, I, w- I wouldn't be able to. Like that, it, it, but going to all the Sox games I did as a kid, there's just a different understanding of that ballpark and of the team and of being a Sox fan and sitting in the bleachers and heckling Albert Bell when he was playing for the Indians. Like <laughs> that, that all is in there. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate the heck. I got a Sox fans for being so caring about me and, and about the telecast and, and the reviews. I mean, look, not everybody's going to love you. That's, that's you know that. Right, like, of course. That's the case. There, there are some people, uh, you know, who will come up to me and be like, I want Hawk back. And that's, he, he's still around. Like, you can, you can watch uh, hundreds upon hundreds mm-hmm. upon hundreds of Hawk games. And it, well, yeah, and that's the, the thing is, I would have been one of those people. If I was 15... When I got the job and replaced uh, Hawk in the end, I would be like, I want Hawk every once in a while, too. So I think that's the other component is I just I love Hawk and I grew up watching Hawk. And so there, there's a lot of depth to my love for the White Sox. Do you ever have one of those moments where it just kind of hits you? It's like, wow, I'm, I'm the announcer for the Chicago White Sox or you're past that? No, it's crazy. I mean, I, I still can't believe that, you know, every once in a while, the, the past couple months, the Sox have emailed me and said, hey, uh, we're going to do this interview or that interview on Zoom to catch up with somebody. So, like, I've interviewed Tim Raines, and I spent 45 minutes with Hawk on a Zoom call talking about all sorts of different stuff. A.J. Pierzynski, uh, I'm talking to Carlton Fisk this week. Like, yeah. these are these are players. I mean, I, I just got in contact uh, last night for an ESPN Korean baseball game I did with 
Jim Abbott, uh, who only played very briefly for the White Sox, but is one of the most interesting human beings to ever play baseball. He was born without a fully formed right hand, and he ended up throwing a no-hitter and having a 425 ERA in 10 seasons. Like That's a guy that when I was growing up, I always wanted to meet, and here I am having a casual email conversation with him because I'm the voice of the White Sox. It's it's nuts. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's a pinch me moment every day, even in a scenario like we're in, which is terribly sad and melancholy with the pandemic going on. Um, I follow you on Twitter, and uh, I was shocked to learn something last week that you never watched The Sopranos. Yeah, I'm sort of shocked that I never I I consume pop culture pretty voraciously and I just never watched it. I mean, when it came out, I was still in high school. And so I never jumped on in the immediate. I kind of did the same thing with The Wire. I watched it late. West Wing was the Mm -hmm. same way. So if I start quoting like I Love Lucy next month, you know, you know how far (laughs) back I've reached. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I would go watch The Sopranos again right now. Those uh, characters, man, they're it so is, good. There's, gosh, and the the misspeaking, like that was that was part of the tweet. But the misspeaking and all the ridiculous stuff, uh, the 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 crazy things they say because they don't know the language very well. Oh, it, yeah. it's, uh it's hilarious. Jason, you're the best. Thank you for coming on, and hopefully, we'll talk to you again when the baseball season starts. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you.